How do I find a new job? How can I make a career change? And the biggest question of all, can I really find a career that I love? Hey, my name is Jen Smith, and I believe career success doesn't have to be at the expense of living a radiantly happy and healthy lifestyle. As a former HR leader and recruiter turned career coach, I get what companies are looking for when hiring top talent. What that means for you is an unmatched combination of insider knowledge and the best kept secrets about making heart-based career changes and navigating the ups and downs of job searching in today's world of work. Whether you're a recent graduate navigating the job market for the first time or a seasoned professional ready for a career change, this show is for you. So grab your coffee or your kombucha, pull up a seat and get ready to be challenged and inspired to move beyond your self-doubt and take the right next steps towards landing a career you love. Because you deserve a long, radiantly happy and healthy career. This is the Flourish Careers Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Flourish Careers Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Smith. And today I am thrilled to announce a new addition to the Flourish Careers podcast called Flourishing Together, a monthly segment that will dig deeper into all things work and well-being. So each month, I'm going to dedicate one episode to curated conversations with industry insiders that will share insights and strategies for improving your work and well-being. I'm super excited to expand the show in this way, and I know you're going to learn a ton. And with that, I am delighted to introduce my dear friend and colleague, Kate Solis Silva. It feels extra special to have Kate as our inaugural guest. So Kate and I met in 2019 through a virtual career clarity coaching certification program, And we became fast friends. I will tell you that I never would have survived the wild ride of 2020 without Kate. She is a delightful human and just a breath of fresh air. So Kate brings a decade of corporate and nonprofit experience to her work as a holistic leadership coach. And her philosophy, which I love, focuses on whole person transformation. Hashtag nourish to flourish. So she partners with high-performing and mission-driven leaders who want to prioritize themselves and learn new ways to work and live with greater clarity and confidence and well-being. Kate's approach to coaching is compassionate and empowering. She provides a safe space to look within, which I can totally attest to. Kate loves to weave in mindfulness and somatics and consciousness into her coaching and supports leaders in identifying and embodying their unique definitions of leadership, which we're going to talk a little bit more about today. And Kate lives in the Chicagoland suburbs, which a lot of my community members are in that area. And she lives with her husband and her beloved cat. And she's also a self-proclaimed plant mom, which I learned recently. (laughs) So her collection of plants continues to grow. So, oh, one more fun fact I wanted to share. Kate's husband went to college here in Buffalo. So we often connect over all the highs and lows of Buffalo sports teams. So Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. I'm so honored to be here and I'm so excited to chat with you and to support your listeners with work and well-being. 
Thank you. So let's just start with your career story. Tell me a little bit about what inspired you to pursue leadership and holistic leadership coaching as a path. Yeah. So, you know, my story really is one that I came to coaching as a client. And I really came to the experience first off thinking someone was going to tell me what to do and was pretty bummed out when they didn't. (laughs) But came to the experience knowing that I needed a shift. I was successful in my work and was doing work that really impacted the greater good. But I wasn't thriving. And I came to coaching because I was really at a crossroads about what to do next. I knew that I needed a shift. And while I thought coaching was going to tell me my next job, what I learned through coaching was I was going to show up the same if I didn't start addressing how I was showing up in work. And so I'm forever grateful for my coaching experience, really illuminating that key component of what actually needed to shift so that I could be thriving in my work, in my life. And since then, I feel really committed to supporting others at that crossroads where they may be doing really great work. They may be you know, successful and they keep getting promoted per se, but internally they know that how they're showing up and how they're working isn't sustainable and isn't fulfilling for them as a whole person. So that's the shortest in a nutshell, a little bit about my path to this work. Yes. And two things I want to highlight there is first, a lot of times people come into coaching thinking that their coach is going to have all the answers for them, which really we know that you have the answers within you. It's just the coach that's going to help you maybe get, pull it out of you or make sense of it or connect the dots for you versus telling you, you know, what you should do with your life. (laughs) You shouldn't have anybody telling you what you should do with your life. Um, So that was, uh, that's a really big piece, I think, and a difference with coaching that people don't realize when they're going into it. And I love how you mentioned that you came to coaching as a client first and then realized the transformation that it brought for you. And then now you can support others in bringing that alignment into their career and their life. And that's what I talk about a lot is let's make sure we're in alignment and we don't have all of these like opposing, you know, things that are causing us all of this angst and and uneasiness in our day-to-day lives. So absolutely. When you think of the word leadership, talk to me a little bit about like self-leadership. You've you've mentioned this before. And I think a lot of times the word leadership gets associated with managing humans. And it's not necessarily the case, I believe, you know, in life and in career. So talk to me a little bit about what you mean by self-leadership and maybe how people can start to think about that and cultivate those skills. Yeah, ultimately, you know, self-leadership is involving ourselves in the leadership equation first and foremost. You know, when I think of the, the definition of how we motivate and inspire others, we also need to consider how we motivate and inspire ourselves. Because if we're not showing up fully, how can we complete that second part of the equation? And so, and so for me, when I really think about self-leadership, that was one of the key components that I realized was missing in my career journey and why I was at the crossroads I was. Because 
I wasn't fully aware of what I wanted or needed. So I needed to get clear on some self-discovery. I needed to get clear on how I was really showing up. And I know that term gets used a lot, but my self-awareness, was I really coming to work? Was I embodying in my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions what really mattered most to me? I had never thought about those things before. I never really turned the light within. Instead of shining it outwards, turning it in on myself. Another component, I think, with self-leadership is our, our emotional regulation. How do we support ourselves in those capacities? And for someone that was suffering from burnout, it's, it's a key area of self-leadership that I needed to look at. And then the fourth thing I think about is my own growth. How was I developing myself in these areas? How was I growing, not only professionally, but personally? So those are some key components that stick out to me when I think about turning the leadership compass inward so that we can best support and lead others. Yeah, it sounds, the word accountability comes to mind a little bit. So like holding your own self accountable to do that reflection and understand what makes you unique and, you know, taking a pause in your day-to-day to actually figure out what's going on inside in order to best support others, even if you aren't supporting others, just to live your life in a holistic way. It's so interesting to me how when I work with individuals on coaching and, and figuring out, you know, career I focus on, how many times people will say things like, I don't even know what I like anymore. I don't even know what I do in my spare time. Like, I don't even know what lights me up anymore. So you can get so fried. Yeah, same. You can get so fried in, you know, just caught up in the over culture, you know, of everything that you don't even know who you are anymore. And so taking accountability to really understand, and I love the term self-leadership and understanding who you are and what motivates you and what makes you feel good and what are those things that that start to, you know, turn towards burnout and how can you start to fix those? And I don't think it's just one thing. It's it's a whole process and it takes, I feel like yeah. it takes years to kind of get to that. And then once you understand what those things are, then building the boundaries and the space around you in order to make sure you don't go down that path again. So any examples you could share? Like, do any examples come to mind for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll just overarching yes to everything you shared. And in addition to accountability, I would just add, you know, if any of the listeners out there might be noticing disconnect, as you were touching on, you know, those pieces of, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Those are clues that it might be time to really give yourself some dedicated reflection time, some time to see what's stirring inside of you. As you use the term a lot, what sparks do you notice? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's huge. And then a lot of times, you know, there's this give, 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 you know, and and if you're working for an organization, they will take, 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 (laughs) you know, and there has to be some type of give and receive. And so when you're giving and giving and giving, you have to pause and figure out what do I need to receive in order to sustain my well-being? And I think like this culture that we're in is a lot of take, 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 take. And they'll just take until you don't have any more to take. And then you're, you know, finding yourself sick or in trouble or something like that, which we don't want to get to that point, you know? So it's pausing to reflect, to figure out, you know, what you need to sustain your your own well-being in all of those terms. So I actually, you know, never 
thought of self-leadership in that way. And I'm going to use this term, Mm. Kate. So thank you for sharing it. I think it's really profound to think about that and take that in your own hands when so many times we just don't. So, um, So thanks for bringing that to light. Yeah, I'm so glad. I mean, I definitely feel a connection to the term as well. Definitely not coined by me, but just as we think about leading holistically, not just talking about mind, body, spirit, but talking about ourselves in addition to leading our teams and how we lead in our homes and in our communities. And you had asked, you know, what's an example of self-leadership? And for me, if it's helpful to share, you know, two things that really stuck out to me in my continued self-leadership journey. So it's a practice. It's never done. And, you know, would share that all day long with clients. But as I was sharing a little bit earlier, that piece of being able to build in some reflection time and whether that's even journaling on the daily once a week at the end of the week when you're wrapping up from work, maybe you do it quarterly, but some time to stop and give yourself a moment to check in. So even just that act can be radical in itself. The other component is, you know, on my own walk has been one of being able to connect to our self-management, our self-regulation with our emotions. Um, It was a component that really wasn't discussed for so long. The quote, you know, people can't see the, the air quotes I'm doing here when we're talking about soft skills, but really we're talking about those human skills and making sure that we're giving ourselves time to build those skill sets in addition to the the tactical and practical skill sets that we use in our leadership all the time. Mm -hmm. The word practice really stands out to me when you share that example. Mm -hmm. It is. It's an ongoing practice. It's not something that you can do in five minutes. It's not something that you can do once. It is a practice. You have to continue to build these moments into your life. And I talk about, you know, the consistency a lot. So I know everyone's lives are packed with all the things, but if you can spend a few minutes on a regular basis, so every day, every other day, but just give yourself a few minutes and cultivate that practice, it became it becomes part of who you are and it makes you much more fulfilled and it makes you able to give a little bit more in those areas that mean the most to you. So thanks for sharing that terminology. Yeah. Let me ask you this. When, when you talk to folks about the relationship between themselves and work, you know, so I think a lot of times there's challenges people face with their relationship to work. So what are some of those obstacles that you've seen and maybe some ways that you've helped people overcome some of those obstacles in the relationship to work? Because I know for me, it can get really out of balance really quickly. Yeah, I mean, where to start here? Navigating ongoing uncertainty as a leader in any capacity, and everyone's a leader that's listening to this podcast. Workloads in this day and age where there may be people that they're supporting leaving, they may the role's not backfilled. So managing workloads that consistently grow, our work-life commitments, and how to create any sort of harmony, prioritizing ourselves and our well-being. And, you know, how are we leading with authenticity? Those are some of the key areas that seem to keep coming up. Mm-hmm. Gosh. And so, you know, first and foremost, I'm going to add, like, what's a way that people can start to deepen their relationships with work to achieve 
you know, greater success, fulfillment. One thing that like I'll offer up is pausing, being still for just a moment. So hoping that like in saying that, that it's not necessarily always one more thing that you have to do. We're talking about how we can be. Another way that I, one of the things that comes up with clients a lot of times is recognizing what we can and can't change. And so when so much is happening externally that may be out of control when we're talking about workloads, balance, ourselves and our well-being, what can we control and what can we focus on? Mm-hmm. Okay. That That's a big... So that's another tidbit. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a big piece. I remember working in the corporate world and, you know, working with teams and we would try to solve all these problems that we just had no control over. And, it, you know, it got to the point where like, let's just stay in our lane. Let's work on what we can control and what we can make an impact in and let the other stuff go. And when you prioritize that and it can really make a big difference. And I love what you mentioned about pausing. <laughs> I feel like with the technology today, you've got the pings coming in, you've got the text messages, you've got the emails dinging, you've got the phone ringing. It's it's never ending, you know? And so just pausing to take a moment to breathe quite literally, you know, can, can make all the difference. I'll tell you, Kate, one thing that I just did recently was I deleted the email app off of my phone because I was you're a champ. Addicted to You're it. A champ. <laughs> I couldn't yeah, stop. Right? And every so. time I did it, it just took more of my brain power. And then I would be thinking like, oh, I got to respond to that person. Oh, I got to do this. I got to, I just, del- I said, you know what? I'm going to delete this. I'm going to do it for 30 days, for like a month. And I have not put it back on my phone because of that. It was just too much. I couldn't ever pause, you know, and just catch my breath. So Right. We want that serotonin hit. We, we're we addicted to it. But I mean, kudos to you for that example. And, you know, the if I can add a third step, so pausing. And then, you know, in addition to that, being able to like set micro goals. I use that term micro with clients all the time. With all the things that, you know, people are navigating in this world, how can we like make it as many as possible to enact change? So for you to delete one app, to pause for five minutes, something that we can get a quick win from that keeps that motivation going. Because in this world where we are constantly on, it can feel overwhelming to think about enacting any change, even if it's good and healthy for us. Yes, I always talk about micro steps. So I'm a huge fan. I don't know who coined the term. It might have been Ariane Huffington with her work. I know. Let's shout out. Yeah. Shout out to Ariane Huffington and <laughs> Thrive Global and everything they're doing is totally amazing. Yeah. Um, but so I talk about tiny actions and micro steps because all of those are going to add up and you it will make a difference, especially with the, you know, the overculture and the chaos that we have going on around us. Now you mentioned pausing for a couple minutes and you know, I know you do a lot of work around breath work, which literally people are holding their breaths all the time. And now that we're talking about yes, Ariana Huffington, I just Huffington, read about Zoomers. Yes, yes, exactly. And Ariana Huffington and Thrive Global is doing such great work coming into organizations and bringing breath work practices and bringing 
you know, work-life harmony practices into organizations. And I wanted to share a quick story. And then I want to talk about your work, you know, with breathwork and how that can play a role in improving overall well-being. But just a quick story. So I'm working with this one corporate client and we had a meeting with their uh, HR folks. And before the meeting actually kicked off, so we're all virtual, we're on Zoom. And the leader of the meeting through Ariana Huffington's Thrive Global Work said, okay, everyone, before we get started, we're going to do a one-minute meditation. And so they played a video and everyone literally just paused for one minute Mm -hmm. and took a few breaths. It made such a difference, even for me. And I knew that this was going to happen and all these things. I couldn't believe the impact that that one minute made and everybody made a comment about it. It was so impactful. I think so many times we don't even realize that just taking a pause or taking a breath, literally a deep breath for one minute can make such a difference. So I'd love to hear more about your insight into breath work and how that can help people pause and kind of come back to reality when when the chaos is happening all around us. Yeah, so my path to breath work came in that I have been a meditator for maybe seven or eight years at this point. And last year, really just started wanting to find a way to be able to come back to my center and to ground myself in a way that didn't necessarily require quiet stillness, like potentially closing my eyes, something that was accessible at any moment. And for me, that ended up being breath work. And so what I found was that sometimes, especially when I was really activated, it would be hard to settle into a meditative state. And so exploring breath work a little bit more, I learned what a beautiful on-ramp that can be to a meditation practice and how wonderful of a practice it can be on its own. I'm so thankful that you shared that example of what you were talking about. Just one minute, because even three deep breaths can have an impact on our nervous system, on our physiology, on our well-being, and how we show up. So knowing that I wanted to have something that was accessible for myself to be able to regulate, to come back to center, and to reconnect to what mattered most to me. So like, how can I choose from a values-driven place and respond versus just reacting? So for me, I noticed that it was really helpful. And then I thought, gosh, wondering if this would be helpful to clients that I work with as well, to be able to access a tool that can support their well-being, their emotional regulation in the moment. And so I'm talking about even when I'm on this call with you right now, being able to place a hand on my belly And to be conscious of where I'm sending my breath, you had just talked about Ariana Huffington's studies and her work in this space. And there is something I had shared on LinkedIn recently called Zoom apnea, screen apnea, when we're literally holding our breath when we're reading and we're not even aware of it. And how often, most of the day, we're breathing from the higher part of our chest and up. We're not even getting using the full range of our breath. And so for me, really spending some dedicated time in these practices, it really has been a game changer to be able to connect to 
my breath, at my desk, in the car, on a walk, and notice how easily it is able for me to return to calm Mm -hmm. after I've done this one practice of breathing. Okay. And there's a variety of different breath techniques, but noticing the profound shift that it can have for myself and others is why I'm such a proponent for this work now. Yes. I couldn't agree more. And I'll tell you, like when I get anxious or stressed, that's where I feel it is like in my chest, like my breath gets super short and I know like, okay, something's, you know, something's going on. I need to just kind of regroup and ground myself a little bit more. And that's where stress shows up in physical form for me when, when it starts. But I also like what you were describing around like the, the chest breath, you know, like I feel like most Mm -hmm. people are literally holding their breath or breathing from all day long. Yes. And don't even realize like the belly breath, you know, and how impactful and how supportive that just taking one or two or three, like while you're driving or whatever it is, can make such an impact. It is such a huge impact. Now, let me ask you this, Kate, because sometimes, you know, and this is coming around in our world now, but I feel like there is a lot of misconceptions about breath work and mindfulness and people, you know, think it's silly or whatever. So, Talk to me about like some of those misconceptions or maybe you have an example of someone you worked with who had a misunderstanding and you were able to help them get through it. So some misconceptions that come to mind for me is that it's always a serious formal practice, whether it's related to mindfulness or to breath work. So that has got to take a lot of efforting and we've got to be, you know, dedicating a lot of time to it. I think that's definitely a myth as we're talking about micro practices, even in 30 seconds or a minute, and that you have to have a certain place and a certain time to be able to do this. I mean, what I love about breathwork and mindfulness, we're talking about being in the present moment, being attuned to what we're thinking, feeling, and doing without judgment. Mm. And that can happen at any time. Now, there are, you know, meditation is a component of mindfulness, but there are also many other components as we're touching on breath work. But being aware of how we're thinking and feeling and the sensations that we're noticing can take just a moment. Mm -hmm. And so just breaking it down that it's accessible and that it's in the consistency, it can be 30 seconds or a minute. And I bring that into conversation because that's often something that I'm discussing with clients who are overwhelmed and already feeling like all their plates are spinning. What we're talking about here is not necessarily, what if you don't have to continue doing so much? What if you can have a moment to just notice how you're being? So I'm bringing that into conversation because an activity with breathwork is being aware without judgment, how we're breathing. Maybe we're noticing for the first time that our breath is in our chest. Mm -hmm. We're noticing where our breath feels constricted and where it doesn't. So I think those are some misconceptions. And then being able to support clients and noticing that it doesn't have to be a whole nother thing. The last thing I would mention is, you know, what's the cost of not when we think about like, ugh, I'm already so fried. I'm so burnt out. I'm doing so much right now. What if we don't 
spend 30 seconds, one minute doing these activities, being aware of our internal state. What's the cost? Mm-hmm. So as you know, when we're really noticing that rub and resistance of taking on anything new, even if it may be supportive, just offering that question. Yeah. And when when I think about this, if people would just get in the moment and notice what's happening within their own body and their own, you know, breath and their own brain and, you know, just thinking about that. And you mentioned before about reacting and responding, like if people were more aware and were more, you know, in tune with noticing these things, imagine how much more responding we would do, thoughtful responding versus reacting in these knee-jerk reactions in the moment that's causing chaos around the world, you know? So when you think about that, just taking one moment to notice your breath and to notice if you're holding your breath or notice like just to exhale for a minute, you know, and not spending three hours under a willow tree meditating. We're talking about minutes here and, you know, and then the cost of not doing that. I mean, we need to breathe to live. (laughs) If we're not breathing, are we even living? You know what I mean? And we just go through these days like that in this autopilot. We're not even noticing if we're breathing or not, which is, you know, it can just get out of control and lead lead to so much sickness and other things that we don't want to be dealing with. So let's spend a few moments noticing and figuring out where our breath is, which by the way, I have to put a plug for your meditation for possibility in here. So y'all, if you're on Insight Timer, Kate has a five or six minute meditation. It's called Meditation for Possibility. I did it. It's excellent. I texted her as soon as I did it and told her that I needed to do this every single day. So it's a really good one. I'll put the notes or put the link in the show notes for everybody. So thank you for sharing that, Kate. Oh, thank you for sharing that, you know, and ultimately when we're talking about mindfulness and breath work, it just bubbled up to me, the word prana, right? When we're thinking of whether it's in a yogic sense or it's really talking about our life force. Our breath is our life force. It connects us to our consciousness. It allows us to respond versus react. And so being able to, like, I just think that that's such a powerful word. So offering it up here for your listeners, like when we're not just talking about breath, we're talking about our life force. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, and if you don't know where that is in you or you don't have that, then it's worth taking a pause and noticing and starting to cultivate that. So thank you for bringing that forward. So to wrap things up, Kate, you shared so much beautiful insight and wisdom with us. I'd love to hear, so I'd like to, uh, excuse me, capture flourishing favorites. So what's one book or podcast or resource that has maybe had a significant impact on you or your career or your work that you would recommend to our listeners? So maybe the rebel, the Enneagram foreign me when I sat with this question, you know, I'm going to offer a a resource to your listeners, your internal wisdom. And in this space of stillness, being able to hear your voice. When we talked at the beginning and the top of this episode around that disconnect, around not knowing what we want and need out of our work, our lives, our well-being, what makes us thrive. I want to offer that up, a moment of stillness to connect to your own internal wisdom. Amazing. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. And it's pretty eye-opening too. when When you ask somebody for a recommendation on a book or podcast or resource, and they give you this internal wisdom bite to just pause and spend one minute reflecting or breathing, it's pretty powerful. 
Kate, thank you so much. Finally, I would just love to ask if people would wanted to find you out on the internet waves, where, where would you like to direct folks? Yeah, so love to connect on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect on Insight Timer. And, you know, I'd just love to connect. The work that we do is personal and it's relational. And so in the spirit of being mindful, I'm really not on social media a lot. So the power of connection, I'll shoot that out and just would love to reach out and have conversations with anyone that feels like this podcast really supported and served them. Excellent. We'll make sure that we have your information in the show notes for people to easily connect with you. So thank you so much for sharing all of your insights and wisdom with us today. That is a wrap for today's episode, my friends. As always, you can find the notes from today's episode on the Flourish Careers blog at flourish.careers slash blog. I'll talk to you next time. Okay, tech check one more time. Tech check, one, two, one, two. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Does it sound okay? <laughs> Let's pretend we're in a fancy recording studio. <laughs> check one, check two. Oh, the checks were double checking. <laughs>